Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be sent to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Jesus, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it good to be back with you? Is it good to be back with you? It is Monday, March 18th, 2019. This is episode 194 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. A week late, I was about as sick as I have ever been last week. So I apologize. You know, the plan was to have TJ DeSantis fill in and host the show. And I kid you not, I was so sick on Monday that I couldn't even walk to my computer and type out a quick rundown for you guys. I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. So here we are a week later and, and you know, it sounds trite, but I'm fucking thankful to be alive given where I was a week ago, kid. So so what was it? Was it vomiting? Was it explosive diarrhea? What, what were we dealing with? So here? it was influenza A. So Ooh. I got home from Wichita, Kansas, and I like collapsed in my house. I mean, it was straight out of a movie. So I missed my connecting flight and I apologize. I'm doing the show with a cough drop today. You're just going to have to deal with that. So I missed my connection from Dallas to Fort Lauderdale. So I think that's what really exacerbated things. I'm sprinting through DFW trying to catch this connection, and that didn't happen. And by the time I landed in Miami, I was done. I was totally done. So a little bit of vomiting. Fever got as high as 103.7. My wife is, like, begging me to go to the walk-in clinic, but I can't get out of bed. So I finally drove myself to the walk-in clinic, and they were like, oh, God, influenza A. You know, they stopped short of telling me I need to get the flu shot next year, but they weren't too happy that uh, that I'm in a house full of kids and I didn't get the flu shot. I got to say, though, man, 
this Tamiflu stuff, I know some doctors don't give it to children, whatever you want to say. It, it's supposed to expedite the healing by 24 to 48 hours. Bro, I'm telling you, within four hours of taking this Tamiflu, I started to reverse course and get better. So everybody, I swear by the Tamiflu if you get the flu. But yeah, man, no flu shot, and I, I, I guess I paid for it pretty dearly. T- Tamiflu definitely helps, dude. Uh, I have that on hand at all times just in case. Uh, and sometimes the flu shots don't work, right? So there's other right. strains of influenza and all right. that stuff. I-, I think it's it's one dickhead fan who was sick, who shook your hand out of the millions of people that probably did that weekend. Uh, we got to find this guy. You're right. Yeah, I think it might have actually been Lewis Smolka who uh, was pretty sick when he fought Matt Schnell. But, no, I appreciate Uh, everyone's well wishes. And, again, you know, Longo, we're going to talk to him here in 10 minutes. He always says health is wealth. And I remember when I was at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, they always said the Dick Robinson, uh, who was in charge of the school at the time, the founder, uh, the late, great Dick Robinson, he would always say, he'd say to us, if you ain't got your health, you ain't got shit. You know, so this is all fun and games and you're learning how to be broadcasters and you think you're going to be radio stars and everything else. But you have your health taken away from you like that, have to be quarantined from your kids for a week and can't hold your baby son. Uh, That'll put things in perspective. So we're glad to be back with you. Sorry you didn't get Ken Flo's picks on this London show. You know, you got to get that closer sports app. I don't know what to tell you, but I know people <laughs> were very curious as to which side of this Darren Till Jorge Masvidal main event you fell on. You and I have obviously known Jorge for a while. We have covered his career extensively, dating to the Bellator days, and and I'm really happy for him to have this moment. Of course, we'll get into everything that happened after the fact. A lot of different angles we can attack when it comes to Darren Till and his immediate future, but all hail Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Sort of a lifetime achievement type of win for him this weekend, and and given my personal experiences, Ken Flo couldn't happen to a better guy, honestly. You know, I... This was a very tough fight for Darren Till, despite that huge size advantage. Um, I didn't love this fight for him. Jorge Masvidal has a ton of experience, but I, I got to say, he, it seemed like he was a little emotional. He was getting a little wild uh, against right. Darren Till. Uh, but eventually, once he settled down into that second round, he made the proper adjustments. And Darren Till always gets away with just framing, and he doesn't quite frame properly he doesn't protect his face he just kind of sticks his hands out there um and he gets away with it because he has such a long reach and he's so much bigger than everybody um you know people don't look for that blitz jorge masvidal made the adjustments uh and because cut an angle when he broke off uh, from being in the pocket against masvidal he got caught with that left hook and uh, this was something that I thought Jeremy Stevens was going to try to do against Zabit uh, Magomed Sharipov uh, mm. because Zabit does the same thing. He backs straight off and he has that height and reach where he gets away with it. Someone's going to get onto that and they're going to throw more than just one shot. And uh, that's exactly what Masvidal did. Landed a huge shot and that left hook just put Darren Till out. Now, he's 24 years old. It's not a huge deal. But the fact that he got knocked out cold like that uh, right. at this point in his career concerned me. What a win for Jorge Masvidal. Right. Uh, For Darren Till, I I think a lot of people are rushing to judgment in terms of can he become a UFC welterweight champion? Is he going to move up to 185 pounds? What is his future as contender? Mm -hmm. But you never like to see a 24-year-old concussed like that and knocked out cold like that. Um, But I still think the ceiling is very high for Darren Till. I'm not willing to sit here and say he can't be a UFC champion. I'm just not sure it's going to happen at 170 pounds. You know, he made 171 pounds. You saw Mark Ratner with a quick trigger there when he announced the weight. I just am not sure that this is a guy who's going to be able to sustain excellence while making this cut perpetually down to 170 pounds. As far as Jorge Masvidal is concerned, and we're not done on Darren Till just yet, but 
he looked to be in the shape of his life, Kenny. And I know he took a year off. He went and, and did that reality show at an undisclosed location. Physically, this just looked like a different game bread, right? Uh, a six pack, right? He just looked to be in a different type of shape. Not that he's never, not that he isn't in good shape. And I know you called a five round fight that he was involved in in South Korea, right? It's not that he hasn't been in shape, but the minute he took his shirt off to do his open workout or whatever it was, I felt like we were dealing with a different game bread. I think the time off really served him well. And I think it just gave him a lot of of confidence mentally too. I just think it put him in a great headspace entering the fight. And yeah, he got cracked early by Darren Till and and this could be a different narrative that we're dealing with here on Monday morning. But I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. I thought Masvidal was absolutely in the shape of his life going in. I thought I thought he looked great, and and I I agree with you. I, th- I think that time off probably served him well. I think when you get a guy like Masvidal who's been fighting since he was a teenager, you know you're going to have these ups and downs. I think uh, as far as motivation uh, and the intensity of, of how you train, uh, Masvidal has always had this has always had the skills. I don't think that's ever been a question for Masvidal. I think the the big question mark for Masvidal at times has been his motivation and how hard he's trained for certain fights. Right. And I think you saw that he was motivated by this challenge, and I think he's motivated by the big challenges when he's facing a middle of the road guy. I don't think we get that super hungry Masvidal, and I totally get that. This guy wants a challenge. He wants to know that he's working towards something big, whether it's a big payday or getting closer to a title shot. Um, And I think this fight against Darren Till brought out the best of him, uh, uh, the best in him. Uh, And despite him being uh, much smaller, I think his speed was the difference, his intelligence and his cage experience. You hear guys like Mike Brown from American Top Team just rave about Masvidal and skill for skill how they believe he's one of the best fighters that they've ever come across. You know, that says nothing about his Brazilian jiu-jitsu game that is obviously there if needed. I just think he's such an interesting case, right? Because a lot of people thought if he was going to make a championship run in the UFC, it was going to happen at 155 pounds. Not that he could move up to welterweight and contend. I remember May 1st, 2009, it was the fifth time I had ever called mixed martial arts Kenny, and he lost by inverted triangle to Toby Imada. And he turned purple, you know, went unconscious, right? He's certainly not the tapping type. I remember, I don't know if it was that fight or a prior Bellator appearance, but... He weighed in at 158 pounds, and Bjorn Rebney was like, hey, man, like I need you to cut the final two pounds. And he's basically like, fuck you, Bjorn. I'm not, I'm not cutting anymore. Like I'm going to fight at 158 pounds, and you're just going to deal with it. He has always beat to the tune of his drum. He is very much an individual. Uh, and I think what happened after the fight very much speaks to, to Jorge Masvidal and who he is. But in terms of his championship trajectory, Kenny, I always thought that if he could – have the purpose and have the motivation that you talk about, that he could make a run at 155 pounds. I just never envisioned him making a run at welterweight. You knock out a recent title challenger like this. I know Colby Covington's going to be next for Kamara Usman. Um, what's your appetite to see Masvidal expedite a title run here at 170 pounds? I think he'll probably need one more fight uh, at least before he you know, gets a shot at the title. Maybe he can be a, a plan B for if someone gets injured or whatever, but uh, listen, I, I think he has the skills to be able to pull it off. I, I think uh, he's always been a fighter. He has that fighter mentality, as we saw uh, in 
that interview. He's never shy for that. And I think despite him being undersized, because he has that fighter's mentality and because he's going to have his full capacities, um, right, right. I think that I think it's a great uh, weight class for him. Can he fight at 155 and, and be one of the best? Absolutely. Will he have all of his energy and strength? Probably not. And to do that consistently, like you said, for Darren Till to be able to do that at 170 is going to be very, very difficult for him. So, uh, you know, I think he's probably best suited at welterweight at this point. Um, the, the fact that he's knocking out much larger opponents uh, like Darren Till says a lot. The fact that he went, uh, you know, the full distance against a guy like Damian Maya, who is just uh, an absolute assassin on the ground, uh, says a lot as well. Yeah. And I think that this is the biggest win of Jorge Masvidal's career. And I, I don't much care that, that people disagree. I'm, I'm, I think everyone's entitled to their opinion. I think the win that Masvidal had a couple of years ago over Donald Cerrone was obviously a finish and a huge win. But I think when you go on the road to England as a, a near three to one underdog in a main event against somebody who just fought for the title, uh, relative to what this win does for him in the division, I think this is the biggest win of Jorge Masvidal's career. All power to him. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Now, I'm sure some people are going to see what he did after the fact and say, oh, it could certainly happen to a better guy. So if you missed it, Jorge Masvidal was doing an interview for ESPN Plus with Laura Sanko when Leon Edwards said something and Jorge went over there, Kenny, and initially his hands were behind his back, but when he got closer, he became ready to fight uh, through the three-piece with a soda, uh, appeared to open up a cut underneath the left eye of Leon Edwards, and he left the 0-2, 2-0, after a win over Leon Edwards. Now, there's a lot to say about this, right? I'm hoping that the punishments are going to either be non-existent or not too swift, right? I mean, I know this is forgettable. Certainly, there's something that needs to be addressed when it comes to security after events and keeping fighters within the same division away from each other when potentially there could be some heat. Um, what was your initial takeaway on, on what transpired, the fight after the fight, so to speak? Well, listen, I, I think fighters need to be way more careful as far as approaching another fighter, okay? When, when you fight and you win, um, if you get a guy like a Jorge Masvidal who is, um, you know, a, a guy who's never going to be shy to throw down, you don't just uh, you talk crap. You know, like if you're going to talk crap to somebody, what, do, what what's the point? Are you talking crap just to kind of get in their head for a future potential fight or are you actually barking because you want to bite? Masvidal, if you're barking at him and he's barking back, he's going to fight you, period. No doubt. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. And, and I think, yes, uh, security should be much better. But fighters need to understand um, a, a little bit more that, uh, you know, if you're going in someone's face or if you're going to talk crap, you better be ready to throw down. And, and a guy like Masvidal um, it isn't going to back down from something like that. So either shut your mouth. Um, or, you know, be ready for those consequences. You know, can Leon Edwards actually be upset that he went up to a, a dude like Gamebred Masvidal in his face? Like, what did he expect to happen, that they were going to discuss this and kind of debate right. the merits of each other and then, you know, talk? I mean, he was going to throw down. You get in another fighter's face, yeah. be ready to throw down, period. Right. It seems, and I, I agree with everything you said, it seemed out of character for Leon Edwards. And I don't yes. know if there were people in his entourage that were sort of pushing him to engage. Because if the end result 
or if the end goal for Leon Edwards is to get a fight against Jorge Masvidal, then certainly now there are legs for a fight between these two. I happen to believe that for Masvidal, given that he beat Darren Till, even though I know Leon Edwards felt like he deserved the Darren Till fight, I feel like Masvidal at this point is past the Leon Edwards fight. And I say that with all due respect to Leon, who has one of the longest active winning streaks in this welterweight division, seven after he beat Gunnar Nelson. Um, but if Leon Edwards was trying to pick a fight with the Till Masvidal winner, uh, mission accomplished. Right. Maybe it didn't go down the way he expected to. Um, but now I think there are going to be a lot of people who want to see these two fighters settle their differences inside the octagon. So, you know, for Edwards, I don't know. I don't know if that was the end game or not for him. Certainly could have gone about it a better way. And I think there's blame to go around, too. I mean, I, you know, for Masvidal, hopefully he's not losing that bonus money. And and this doesn't end up being something that sort of jeopardizes his immediate contention. Um you know, but it kind of is what it is. Exactly. And it's the same. Listen, it's the same thing that happened with with Habib in a lot of ways. I don't make an excuse for Masvidal. I don't make an excuse for Habib necessarily. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, these guys are fighters. And, you know, we're in this day and age now where people think they could just talk crap and no repercussions are going to take place or whatever. You know, stop. Right. Stop with this bullshit. And, and, you know, a lot of the guys thinking they can get away with this. You're, you're going to get cracked. You're going to get cracked, especially by a guy like a Masvidal. All right. And especially if you approach a guy like Ray Longo, you will absolutely get cracked in the back alley. <laughs> Let's get to Ray. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in his fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Well, if Jorge Masvidal walks over to Leon Edwards and Ray Longo is back there. You got to think there's some pause for Masvidal. What What do you think, Ray? I mean, have you ever been involved in a in a backstage encounter like what we saw after the fight between here, uh, Jorge Masvidal and Leon Edwards? Uh, I think back in the kickboxing days might have been a couple, but nothing MMA that sticks out in my mind. But, uh, you know, it's like... Uh, Trying to think, it's like uh, you know that 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 nitwit that wanted to take the picture, to take the selfie with the jaguar at the zoo. You know that's it. Oh right, right. You know what's coming. Right, right. You know. Right. Well, yeah. No, I mean, Ken Ken Flo's pretty mild mannered, but I can assure you, in that situation, he doesn't care about losing his bonus money. He's going to fight for what he believes in, and I'd imagine you would do the same. I so, think, yeah, 100%. I mean, and again, let the guy, what are you interrupting the guy for? He's doing an interview. He's coming off a great victory. Right. Uh, emotions are running high. Edwards? Emotions run high after I mean, a fight, you know? And he walked very slowly over there with his hands behind his back. There was plenty of time for a lot of people to step in and whatever, do what they had to do. But, uh, right, you know, you have to know that. You know, I, I don't know. To me, it's well, a no-brainer. Right, and and I think if Leon Edwards is rewarded with a Masvidal fight, right, then for him, the ends justify the means. You know, Paul Felder exactly. wants to. Paul Felder wants to fight Ally Quinta right now, okay? He feels like Al owes him a fight, okay? Al is moving on and and wants to challenge for the interim championship or wants to challenge for the title, right? So you can argue that for Paul, if he wants to get that raging Al fight, he should go on an absolute rampage on social media, not necessarily cutting Aya Quinta down, but go crazy trying to get some heat behind that fight. Like I feel for fighters in this day and age, Ray, because Paul's not going to do that and he's not going to get the fight. Right. 
So right, right. Uh, I'm just saying, yeah, in in uh, Leon's defense, if he I, gets I, the I, fight, I, the I ends agree, will justify yeah. the means. Well, again, and it goes back to what we always say: until they look, it's it's up to the UFC to set a precedent, right? I mean, that that's really what it comes down to. If they reward that guy with a fight, then they're setting a precedent. I mean. Darren Till wins a, a very controversial decision over Wonderboy, misses weight by five pounds. Right. And what do they do? They give him a title shot. Right. You know, so when this shit blows up and the guy, I, I, I just think, you know, man, if you have any belief in karma, the shit's coming back. It's well, going to come back. You know what I mean? That That's it. But, I, I, you know, why are we rewarding guys for doing the wrong thing? That's my there's no repercussions for your actions at this point. Ray, you're absolutely correct. And listen, setting a precedent, they've already set a precedent, you know, and, and that's the problem is we're in this Conor McGregor era that, you know, if you do talk trash, whether you deserve the fight or not, you get the nod. So when fighters are looking right. and they're trying and they're seeing the rankings, and they're going, OK, I'm number four. I should fight number five or number three. And those fights yeah. aren't happening. Of course, they're going to do that because they are being rewarded. The guys who are talking trash and are doing these stunts are being rewarded. So it's it, how do you get out of that mold now? How does a quiet guy who wins all the fights that he's supposed to win get the fights when he gets these other guys, these newcomers, they have two or three fights in the UFC and they're getting the title shot. They have to play that game now. So I don't know. What do you do with your fighters? Is this something that – you know, are they? Are you trying to encourage them to be authentic? Are you encouraging them to to hype up their fights? What do you do in this era, Ray, with, with your guys? I mean, it's never look. It's not something that we're talking about, but mm -hmm. you know, I try to support them whichever direction they're going in. First of all, as a coach, and but we really do try to you know aim for authenticity. You know, what I mean, mm -hmm. when I yeah. if a guy got out of control here, we, he probably wouldn't be here. You know, if it really got, like, nutty or, I don't know, I, it would be tough. But, you know, like when, when that, years ago, well, you know, Al did a couple of things. We're not saying, oh, that was fucking great. And No, we're talking to a guy, too. Maybe it's wrong and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, now I'm starting to agree with all of this shit that he did. Yeah. He just wanted to get paid. Right. He wasn't even looking for a fight. Just pay me what I'm right. going to fight for you. I'll, I'll put on a good show. Just pay me. And if this is what I got to do, and I don't think he ever did anything that was uh, inappropriate. You know what I mean? If a guy's, you know, dissing people that are fighting and, you know, and he never fought before and he's a, and then you get criticized for it. But, you know, look, you have to be able to take criticism too. And uh, I, I don't know. I think Al really just spoke his mind. He made some good points. Like in the, I don't even think I was into it back then, but now in retrospect, I'm starting to, or in hindsight, I'm, I'm really looking at it like, you know what? I, the kid was right. Just give me my money. He's never let anybody down. And, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's a weird position. I, I don't, I don't like it. Um, you know, again, like when my guys do it, I'm not saying like my guys, they're all their own guys, but you know, I'm not in agreement with, with a lot of stuff that goes on. You know, I think, you know, even Chris, man, I think he made a comment one time about Bisbing's uh, vision. Not cool. That's not cool by anybody that was around, you know what right. I mean? I think he made up, you know, he'd be apologized for it or whatever, right. but if you think that we're condoning that shit, definitely not happening. Like, I don't want to come out of who I am for anybody, you know, and, you know, I, I am behind my guys 100%, but it's got to be, you know, kind of appropriate, I think, and I'm sure there's going to be 
20 million things on this guy did that he did that whatever it is what it is but i don't know they create an environment that's i don't know how they're going to come out come out of it you know and i, I gotta tell you just i don't know why i'm switching gears on this but that's just the what I really liked, and I don't think anybody's talked about it, like, I don't really know Larry Emanuel, but uh, I'm a huge fan of this guy now, what he did with the, uh, you know, giving the money back to whoever had the investment in Saudi right. Arabia Saudi or Arabia. whoever it was. Because, I mean, at least that dude is the guy, that's at least you're making a principled move. You're taking a stance on something right. that I think is going to be hard to disagree with. Do the same thing with these fighters. Yeah. Do yeah. the same thing. You know, we know you can do it. You just did it. And I think it was great. And I really, I'm on that guy's bandwagon. I think that was unreal. I don't know why it hasn't gotten more attention, but shout out to that guy for really taking a stance on a real, you know, problem that occurred. And really, I just think that that's a principal move, man. And that's what we need with a lot of this stuff. Yep. Him and Patrick Weitzel deserve a lot of credit. And I would also say about Ari Emanuel, just since you invoked his name, he loves mixed martial arts, right? Like when he comes to these fights, Ken Flo, he is out there for the first prelim on the cans, listening to the broadcast. He's completely invested. You know, he's not in the back, you know, sipping cocktails. He really enjoys the sport. And I think that's why the UFC had such a appeal. Well, that's one of the reasons why the UFC had a lot of appeal for him. So, uh, we touched on a few different things. We didn't necessarily get your take on Jorge Masvidal's performance. I think there's some semblance of the fan base, Ray, that is really excited to see this result because they have followed Jorge's entire career. They really feel like he's the real article and is a genuine guy and is authentic. And also the fact that Darren Darren Till absolutely got the promotional push from the UFC, got a championship opportunity after missing weight. And I think a lot of people really were happy to see this result for more reasons than one over the weekend. I, I couldn't agree with, I agree with you 100% on everything you said. Look, I was always a huge Jorge Masvidal fan. The guy, first off, he loves to fight. He's chilled. He's, you know, he's, he's, he, he um, he's technically very good, and he's a problem for anybody. You know what I mean? And uh, he deserves something big, that kid, because he's been around forever. I think he's fought the biggest names around, and, you know, I think he deserves it. I think I was really, really happy for him getting that win. And, again, he derailed another, you know, hype machine that I'm not really sure was warranted, but, you know, not that to look. The guy hits, he hits hard, man. He's a monster at 170. But, man, what Masvidal did, I'm blown away by his performance. I mean, I picked him to win because uh, I just like him probably more than anything. And I know he's technically really, really good. Right. Uh, and I think he's found a comfortable weight at 170. You know, he's not sucking himself out where he can't push the pace the way he wants to. So I'm happy for the guy. Seems like a real, like, again, authentic dude, you know. Ray, did, Ray, did you see the uh, Danny Roberts Claudia Silva fight with the arm lock that was that was cut short? Uh, yeah, what did you, th- like, you think about that? Yeah, Literally, the, he stops the fight at the one point where the elbow is is not threatened. It was crazy. <laughs> hey, listen, man, that is. I don't want to. I don't want to go. I mean, that was just the whole fight was awful. Nobody even knew why he was stopping the fight before that. Right. Be a cage. He's, I, that's a guy that just wanted to be in there too much, man. I don't. I don't know what I was looking at, but horrible. Feel bad for the guy. Uh, by all, you know, uh, all indications of what I looked at, just a horrible call. 
And we're going back to square one. There'll be no replica. Well, that guy will probably get hammered, I'm sure. But, um, you know, there's no repercussions, nothing. I think he ruined that fight. And that was a great fight. I love the way you say the word hammered. You sound like you're from Boston when you say hammered. (laughs) Hammered. All right, so... Yeah, pack the car and have a jet. All right, we'll we'll get you out of here on this. I mean, how many untold thousands of dollars did Raging Ally Quinta make by saying to those fans in Virginia that unforgettable afternoon, you guys booing me, fuck you, right? Because, see, Al was able to do it authentically, right? Rip apart a hotel room, tell the fans to fuck off, being himself and making money, right? See, we were talking before you came on. I don't know if Leon Edwards was put up to this, but it feels very out of character that after one of the bigger wins of his career, this is a respectful, humble martial artist. Why would he do that unless someone in his camp is telling him to go chase that Masvidal fight? Great question. Great question. Definitely not the way to do it. And, uh, yeah, no, that that night, like, again, that was even, that caught me off guard, but, you know, he was... That was, I mean, that was authentic. That oh, really was authentic. That swelled his fan base. Bad. I still felt bad for my buddy John Anik that night. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Well, well, what's interesting, too, is that the guy he beat that night by split decision, of course, was Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, yeah, no, and, you know, no, Jorge's good, man. I'll tell, tell you one thing in that fight, just interesting. You know how, like, you're getting ready to go out? Between you know for the you know in, uh, behind the curtains when they call your name for the weigh-in, right. boy he wasn't even there. He wasn't there. I go, I don't even know if the guy's fighting. Like he came in the last second, so I knew that he was sucking weight, and um, you know because that was at a time when you had to make weight at the at that point, right? Exactly. Right, right. And um, I'm actually talking to myself now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So he came like well one second ago, John. So I knew. Like as Al pushed that fight, that he wouldn't have the steam to right. to do what he wanted to do. I mean, I don't know if that's a whatever, but that's why I say I think 170 fits him way better than 155. And um, yeah, that was a look. Masvidal's great, but he did take his foot off the gas in that fight, and I think he grew from that fight too. Yeah, and I for think sure. it probably made him reconsider going to 170. And you know, at the end of the day, man, those guys were standing right in front of each other. So you know where both of those guys are at, you know? And I think that's another thing that goes over. Look, Masvidal is freaking, he's good, man. You know, and Al survived the knockdown in the first round, was able to rally back and come back. And I got to tell you, if there's rounds four and five, it wouldn't have looked good for Hawaii. I think that the the gas would have been too much that night. And Al would have got stronger as that fight went on. So, you know, I think he did the right thing by moving up. And uh, the, uh, look, I, like again, I, I'm a huge Masvidal fan. I think the guy loved the way he fights, loved his mentality, loved the way he's chilled out before the fights. I think he's he's just a good dude, man. Very, yeah. he deserves he deserves the best. I'm getting a game bread tattoo. I'm not going to get it on my neck uh, unless I. Well, I guess I could retire, put makeup on it. I'm definitely getting a game bread tattoo after what we saw this week. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, all right, Ray. Well, so thank you for the time. Did you miss us last week, man? I did. I really did. And I'm glad you're feeling better because I tell you, everybody's getting hammered. Oh, hammered. Going again. Hammered in New York, man. It's brutal. Brutal Dude, up here. My daughter Things last night. For weeks. We woke my daughter last night at 4 o'clock in the morning. Her fever was 104.6. Dang, dude. I mean, yeah, it's insane. Right. And she has a different – she doesn't even have what I had. But it's uh, 
it's a scary thing, especially when you have young children. But uh, all's well that yeah, ends that well, at least great. we hope. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, have a uh, have a have a great week. Before we let you go, your boy Wonder Boy Thompson is fighting Anthony Showtime Pettis in the main event in Nashville. Um, give me thirty seconds okay. on this fight. I will just say, he's a huge favorite. He's fighting a, a former yeah. lightweight, a former featherweight. I understand there's upside for Wonder Boy in this fight, um, but he better not lose to a lightweight this weekend, or this is going to be a tough one for him to come back from. Your thoughts on Thompson, Thompson and Pettis right. in uh, Nashville this weekend? I think Wonder Boy's seen a million guys like, uh, like Pettis. He's just yeah. too big, too rangy, and uh, Pettis is a great fighter. But this Wonder Boy, should, I think he's just going to have a hard time breaking that distance. Yeah, and uh, I think it'll be a great fight, though. I think it'll be a fun fight. I think both guys are very respectful, and they're going to have uh, they're going to go in there and have fun. And I think hopefully it's a great fight for the fans. But uh, I think Wonder Boy's just too rangy, and again, he's if you're going to kickbox with that guy. And literally kickbox with him, you know, not, you know, you know, wait and you know, make it a boring fight. He's he's, he's tough to beat. Yeah, I, I mean, and I tell you, look what he did to Masvidal, and I love Masvidal. Right. Masvidal was a great fighter, but he couldn't solve that riddle. That is true. UFC two seventeen. All right, buddy, you sound great. It seems like the week off really did you wonders. <laughs> yeah, very good. All right, guys, listen, I'm glad you're feeling better. I will see you next week. There he is. Right. Thanks, Ray. Raymond, Peter Longo every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So uh, so what do you think for Darren Till at this point in time? I mean, Masvidal is obviously going to get a big fight, a title eliminator type fight. I don't think it's going to be a title fight. But what do you do if you are Darren Till? Because even though he seemed to, I don't want to say master the cut, Kenny, but he seemed to put himself in position to make the weight this time around. I'm not sure I see him long-term as a UFC welterweight. He's only 24 years old. He's only going to continue to grow into his frame. Do you think it's an eventuality that this guy's moving up to middleweight or, or not necessarily? Uh, I don't think he needs to necessarily move to 185 for his next fight. Um, I, I certainly think it would be a good reset career-wise for him. Right. I'm not sure it's n- absolutely necessary. As he gets older, though, I, I see him fighting at 185 uh, yeah. for sure. Listen, I, I thought he looked physically much, much better here in this fight against Jorge Masvidal. I you agree. know, like he looked good on the scale. He looked good during the fight as far as you know, uh, he didn't look so sunken in. He, he looked like he had his energy. He looked like he had his strength. Um, that's what it seemed like. That's not always the, the case. But um, to me, listen, defensively, he just needs to get better. Just because something works in a fight doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And I think coaches are really failing overall in mixed martial arts as far as not telling their fighters what to do, what the right things uh, are defensively in mixed martial arts. You can't just sit in the pocket. It is not boxing. You don't have big gloves on. You know, it, 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 a lot of these things are not being fixed. And listen, you, you can't tackle everything at, at the same time, but this isn't something that Darren Till just did here in this fight against Jorge Masvidal. He's been doing this for a very long time. And again, yeah. just because he's not getting hit or getting uh, clocked with big shots doesn't mean it doesn't need to be fixed. So right. I, I think you can't leave these things unaddressed. So for me, it, it, it comes down to Darren Till just being better uh, defensively, fixing those technical errors and getting right back, uh, you know, getting right back in there. Um, I think after a knockout like this, 
it, it, it can't be right away. He's going to have to give his brain and body a rest. Yes. Um, I hope that he doesn't go right back into sparring. Um, he needs to give himself some time, but really fix the technical errors. And then, you know, whether it's a reset at 185 or another fight at 170, um, it, it, it should be a, a, a little bit of time. Yeah. I love Till as a fighter. I love him as a promoter. I love when you when you turn head coach on me too. I might have to take a charity fight just so you can corner me and coach. <laughs> you know, yeah. it is it is crazy because I think with you and Dominic Cruz is like if all things were equal, right? And you could make a million dollars a year being the head coach of an MMA team, right? We are going to get to a point. I don't know how many years down the line where coaches will be paid what they're worth. You know, I know some coaches make five percent of the gross purse. You know, others a little bit more than that. But I don't know, Ken Flo. I, I, I know teams and Faber and others have come at you in the past, but uh, I think you miss your calling as a, as a head coach of, of an MMA juggernaut. Maybe it may Rocky BJJ kid. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, I, I think Darren Till really has so much potential, man. This is a kid who really uh, could be a, a future uh, title holder. It, it just comes down to really getting the right knowledge. It's a knowledge game. That, that, that's what it comes down to. And and I think for Darren Till, just getting the right people around him, uh, fixing those mistakes, this kid can get right back in there, whether it's at 170 or 185. Any thoughts on the co-main event? I thought Leon Edwards deserved to win a unanimous decision. It was split 29-27, 29-28, and the wayward dissenting judge 28-29 for Gunnar Nelson. There's a whole Nelson narrative and, and storyline to this as well. Maybe his ceiling's a little bit lower than some had projected in terms of his welterweight future. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Edwards now having won seven in a row, the win by decision over Gunnar Nelson? Well, listen, I, I was really impressed with Leon Edwards. I, I knew this was a very tough fight for Gunnar Nelson. I have a lot of respect for Gunny. He's done some great things in the grappling world. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who hasn't evolved as much as I would like. Um, I, I think that you can't come in the same guy repeatedly. There's something to be said for fixing mistakes, but there's also something to be said for getting better in this game. And, and you've heard me say this a thousand times. If you're not getting better in this game, you're getting worse. And right. for Leon Edwards, he has gotten better. I think we called his first fight in the UFC. Uh, and you, you remember his wrestling back then? I mean, it was like right. basically non-existent. Right. And now he looks like a competent and intelligent wrestler and Gunny just really couldn't get it done uh, up until the end of the last round and he just also didn't fight with that sense of urgency I mean instead of trying to just wail down elbows at, at uh, Leon Edwards he was just kind of trying to break that grip and trying to solidify a higher mount I, I don't know I, I think Gunny is a very patient fighter but I think that hurt him late in that fight instead of you know, throwing those brutal elbows that he threw against Cowboy Oliveira, he was just way too patient. And Leon Edwards did a great job of stopping a lot of those takedowns, keeping his head level at the proper uh, right. height. Um, clinching was was great. He was cutting angles. Uh, and for Gunny Nelson, he just kept uh, trying to blitz his way in with one shot, and he became very predictable. And it, it became an easy fight for Leon Edwards, in my opinion. He didn't take a lot of uh, punish, uh, damage in that fight. Uh, and yeah, I agree with you. It should have been a unanimous decision for Leon Edwards. And, uh, again, the, the win streak continues for him. Um, and I, I've been really impressed with his progress and I think he's going to give, uh, other people in the top 10, a, a very difficult time. And for Gunny, I agree with you. This loss really hurt him. 
Yeah, I couldn't have put it any better. I just the seeing Leon Edwards out wrestle Gunnar Nelson relative to where he was early on in his career is just a, a crazy thing. All hail Leon Edwards, and he wanted respect on his name, and he's certainly going to get it now. It's just hard to make a run, right? He won a main event against Donald Cerrone. This was a high-profile fight, and even though this wasn't the main event against Darren Till that he wanted, it was a co-main slot against a big name, relatively speaking, in Gunnar Nelson. But for Leon, right, I just I, I'm very curious to hear what his team has to say about what transpired after the fact with Jorge Masvidal, because I'm certainly not condoning the action, especially if you're changing your stripes. Right. Like I know when you were critical at times of Henry Cejudo in the past, it's because all of a sudden he became a little bit inauthentic with one of the antics, I think, a pre weigh in yeah. or something or other. Right. Stepping outside of yourself for the sake of progressing your career forward. Maybe Cejudo's not a great example because he was getting ready to fight Dillashaw. But I think if you're Leon Edwards, you're like, man, what what do I need to do? I've won seven in a row at 170 pounds, and I'm still, you know, in that bottom third of the top 15. So then maybe you get some bad advice to, you know, go engage with Jorge Masvidal. You take that advice trying to just progress your career forward, you know? Like, I, I don't know what he does. I mean, maybe they give him somebody like Woodley coming off a loss. I don't know. Um, but for, Tyra, for, for Leon Edwards, it's still going to be two or three more wins. And with seven in the can... That's pretty tough for him to swallow, I would think. Yeah, and then that's the dilemma, right? I, I mean, you look at uh, Kamara Usman, uh, how long it took him to get the title shot. Uh, he had to win and win and win and win again uh, before he finally got his title shot, but uh, in the end, obviously, was able to get it done. But uh, there's been other people who had a much shorter track, like a Darren Till, for example. Uh, right. So, you know, it's a tough thing. There's no doubt about it in this day and age of where the UFC is at. Um, I think eventually if Leon Edwards um, just keeps doing what he's doing and lets his performances speak for themselves, I think he'll eventually get that title shot. But that is a very competitive division. I get why uh, he probably tried to go and, and, and pick a fight with Masvidal. The problem is when you pick a fight, sometimes that fight happens. So the fight happens. <laughs> and not regulated. So yeah. that was unfortunate. But for Leon, uh, again, he has been impressive. He's he's winning the right fights. He's beating tough guys. Just continue. Just needs to continue to do that. And congrats to the Knights' other big winners: Molly McCann, Dan Ige, Mark Jacasey with a big win over Joe Duffy, Arnold Allen against Jordan Rinaldi. I thought that was a big win for Arnold Allen. Uh, you mentioned Claudia Silva and Danny Roberts. We won't rehash that. Any thoughts on Dominic Reyes and Volkan Ustamir? The decision by split goes to Reyes. I thought it was a close fight. I can understand why Volkan believes he did enough to win that fight. My thesis statement going in was that this would give us some answers on Dominic Reyes because he was going to fight a former title challenger in Volkan Uzdemir that figured to come in here with a whole lot of purpose, having dropped a couple fights in a row. I thought he got a prime Uzdemir close fight, but ultimately it goes to Reyes and he is still undefeated moving forward. It, it was a close fight, and, and I don't think, you know... It, to me, it, it seemed like Dan Hardy, and, and he's a good analyst, you know, but he, it seemed like he thought Vulcan was going to win that fight straight away. Um, I didn't quite see it that way. I, I wasn't sure who was going to win that fight. It was uh, very close in my eyes. Yeah. Dominic Reyes obviously ended up getting the nod. Whether he won that fight or not, I, he's going to learn a lot from it. I, I no think doubt. that for him, fighting a guy like Vulcan Uzdemir who hits hard, um, who was switching things up and adding some grappling in, uh, into his game, I thought was interesting. Uh, it was good to see Vulcan try to mix those things up. He was finding success with that double leg. So cool to see a guy who comes from a kickboxing oh, background yeah. 
uh, have that kind of success with his double leg takedown. Uh, I think Dominic's going to learn a lot from it. I think Dominic did some great things in that fight. Uh, certainly uh, is getting better and improving as a fighter. I thought his pacing was a little bit off. I thought he got a little emotional at times. Um, and, you know, wrestling could be improved. But uh, for Dominic, I think he's going to continue to get better. He's going to learn a lot from that. Uh, and, uh, you know, listen, he, he's not ready for John Jones yet. I don't. No one in that division is. But I think he's probably another few fights away from maybe uh, fighting for the belt. I think when you fight for the belt, you want to put yourself in a position to really try to win it, not just right. fight for the belt because, oh, you know, you're next in line or there's no one else uh, out there. Take the time to improve your skills uh, and, and get that fight and, and, and get the win. So Reyes is still a little bit a ways uh, away. I think Tiago Santos is still the front runner, in my opinion, to fight for that belt next. Um and uh, and we'll see. I think Ray's uh, is only going to get better from here on out. Camp flows on fire today. I totally agree. And to be able to accrue those 15 minutes as Reyes was able to and to still emerge with a win, I think is huge. really huge for his confidence because there were so many learning lessons in that fight. Certainly, I think with the wrestling and the takedown defense and some clinch exchanges that I think could have been cleaner for him. Uh, but it's interesting at 205 pounds because we're always anointing the next because the greatest fighter of all time owns that division right now. That's John yeah. Jones. I think you're right. Tiago Mahetta Santos, uh, I think can put himself in position right now in his prime to try to actually win that fight and to your point not just fight for it but when we fast track Johnny Walker a few weeks ago you know how do you think how do you handicap Johnny Walker versus Dominic Reyes right now because I know Dominic Reyes came into the UFC without three losses like Johnny Walker and when Reyes came in he was immediately put on a pedestal and maybe at times is going to be the victim of those expectations but you know who would you be more excited about to see fight John Jones right now going into the Reyes Uzdemir I think a lot of people would have said, oh, give me Reyes. Johnny Walker's not ready. I'll tell you right now, Johnny Walker and Dominic Reyes fight on a neutral site next weekend. I'm not sure Dominic Reyes beats Johnny Walker right now. So, Yeah, well, listen, I, I think Johnny Walker really has a lot of firepower. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Reyes is more fundamentally sound, I think, at this point. But I don't know. It, we still haven't seen so much of Johnny Walker. He's finishing everybody yeah, so damn quick, quickly. It's too just crazy. It's crazy. He definitely has more weapons as far as finishing the fight than Dominic Reyes. Uh, but I agree with you as far as if you're going to get it done against John Jones, you can't just fight a technical fight from the outside against him. He'll pick right. you apart all day. Right. You're going to need something crazy to land. And uh, yeah. Johnny Walker fights so quickly, I can't even pour my Johnny Walker blue <laughs> in the glass, and his fight is over. All right, we will spin this forward to Nashville. Pronunciation of the Week is brought to you by Mayrocky BJJ, mayrockybjj.com, 11677, Santa Monica Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. Kids can sign up for a free class right now, mayrockybjj.com, M-E-R-A-K-I-B-J-J.com, or call 424-389-4038. All right, TJ DeSantis is 0-1 on the year for 2019. He whiffed on Alejandro Perez two weeks ago. This fighter is one of the best flyweights in the world. He has yet to taste defeat as a professional in mixed martial arts. And this weekend on the main card on ESPN Plus, he fights the former world number one ranked Juicier Formiga, TJ DeSantis. Who am I talking about? Uh, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I uh, did whatever the equivalent of failing to make weight for this competition. Uh, so I'm disqualified because uh, I listened to this thing three times to try to like 
pull one over your your eyes and get one in the wind column, and I still can't do it. Uh, I'm going to try. Well, uh, give you, it a go. Uh, Davison Figueiredo? I can't do it. Ugh. I can't do I mean, it. I'm bet like like I'm sorry. I'm such a honky. Like that's what it comes well, down no, to. I, this is tough, TJ, because I thought this was was going to get you to one and one. I, I you know Figueiredo. I mean, you certainly didn't uh. nail that R on the backside. What can you play the file? Do we have the file? Davison Figueiredo. Davison Figueiredo. My mouth doesn't Davison. work that way. TJ DeSantis. The kind of guy who walks into Taco Bell and orders a quesadilla. <laughs> now, that's you. That's you, TJ. I, I don't understand the joke. Yeah, I want a chili cheese quesadilla. A quesadilla. Yeah. Vegeta. Yeah. Flo, can Dude. you say? Can you say Davison's last name for the listeners, please? Figueredo. See, it just comes so naturally, right? Figueredo. I thought that was a pretty easy one, all things considered. It looks really challenging when you look at it on paper, but Davison Figueredo fights Juicy A. Formiga this weekend, and TJ DeSantis falls to 0-2. All right, let's make some picks. Time for the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights! I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, so it was 32 to 24. Good guys going into UFC Wichita. We had Evan Wasserman on to make picks against the flow. Evan did a great job, but Ken Flo wins the week. It could have been bigger than it was, Kenny, too, because you had Ben Rothwell plus 110. I thought Ben Rothwell beat Guagua even on. I know. And that would have been two big points, right? It's a three-point swing because Evan got the pick for Ivanov, but... You had Junior Dos Santos. You had him by second-round knockout. So you won three points with that main event. You win the week 5-4. No picks last week, of course, because we were off. So the lead now, 36-29. Heading into UFC Fight Night, Thompson versus Pettis. You've gotten host a couple times already here in 2019 uh, by those judges. Uh, and with us to make picks today, this is a return guest picker because he beat Ken Flo in 2018 and his persistence has earned him another crack against the flow. My man, Ian Parker, is with us. IP, how are you this morning? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm happy to be back. Kenny, I hope you get to go first on some picks today, bro, but I'm ready for you. <laughs> so you know the rules. No, just kidding. Go ahead. Everybody knows the rules one bite. So, Ian Parker, you like when I bet on a basketball game, it's usually like 55 bucks to win 50 or 110 <laughs> to win 100. When Ian Parker places a wager... It's usually like 10 G's. So how, how much did you have on Jorge Masvidal, if you don't mind me asking? It was <clears throat> it was interesting because I had a parlay of um, McCann, Wood, and Reyes. And remember when I texted you, I said, if I hit that parlay, I'm just going to say, fuck it, and press it on Jorge. And I told you earlier in the week, I just had a feeling, had a weird feeling. So it was pretty much, I would say, uh, half of the Holloway bet. But as you saw the odds, it hit pretty big. So it was uh, pretty pretty wild, and uh, it's always fun texting you during the fight, dude. Especially these, when uh, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did these educators know that all of this tuition money that you're paying is just dirty money, right? I mean, <laughs> so di- so dirty. Yeah, Filthy. my my son's preschool education is being paid through uh, yeah <laughs> these online bookies through MMA. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, thanks to Jorge Gamebred yeah. Masvidal for paying like all of Ian Parker's I need, son's tuition. 
I need to do that because these LA LA schools are ridiculous, man. You can't send them to a public school. You got to send them to a private school, and it's like college tuition. So I, I got to get in on this, Ian. It oh, it's crazy. and dude, if your kid's not using scissors properly, then they got to go and do extra help, which costs more money. So <laughs> right. I totally get it. It's, right. Uh, right. The world the world is messed up, and it's all about private school, and you just got you need the extra help. I get it. Right. Right, we got four picks coming up on Nashville today, but Ian, very quickly, I wanted to get your thoughts because I know you're locked in and, and you're ingesting all of these shows the way we are on what happened between Jorge Masvidal and Leon Edwards, because we have spent much of the show talking about it. A lot of game bred fans in this audience and a lot of us respect him for being authentic and being who he is, regardless of setting. The other side of it, of course, is Leon Edwards, somewhat of a forgotten man in the welterweight division who now has more shine on his name for better or for worse than he has ever had before. What is your overall assessment of what happened between Masvidal and Edwards and what the ramifications might be? One, I, I mean, I really wish it didn't happen because it goes back to, we always talk about like when Connor and Nate got into the whole water bottle throwing and the whole dolly through the bus. This isn't too far off from that. It's kind of like it sets the sport back a little bit. Although, I get it with Masvidal, you know, he doesn't really take shit, and Leon was messing with him on social media, and if you saw, uh, Jorge did have his hands behind his back when he was approaching him, and then he put his left hand on the banister, which that was the punch he led with, that's kind of like an old-fashioned street fighting move, like, I'm going to hit you before you hit me, and he even said that, Um, you know, it kind of, if it didn't happen, think about about what everyone's talking about now, no one's talking about as much Jorge being the number three guy in the world by knockout who just fought for a title. And no one's talking about how Leon pretty much, and let's be honest with ourselves, that should not have been a split decision win over Gunner. You know, right. that, that should have been a unanimous decision. Um, it's unfortunate. I don't blame Jorge for doing what he did. That's just who he is. I just personally wish the attention was more about him destroying Darren Till, 100%. being on hiatus for as long as he was, going into England and beating him and beating him the way he did. Um, you know, at the same time, it gives the sport, especially because it's on ESPN, that much more attention. Is it the best yeah. attention? No. Do I blame him for that? No. Um, I just really hope that they actually don't fight each other next. I think Jorge Me deserves too. a little I bit agree. of a higher-ranked opponent. I agree, man. I agree. No, and it's like I'm a fan first, so it's a little bit hard. I've known Jorge for 11 years. I'm not trying to sit here and anoint him as some hero, but if you think that my initial reaction is just a sports fan isn't like, oh, that dude's the fucking man. Like, that's what my reaction is, and and that's kind of just is what it is. All right, first fight up for us today, guys. Part of the main card, main card Oprah actually on ESPN Plus this weekend. Women's flyweight division where Macy Barber now resides. Her nickname is The Future. This is one bullish fighter. She's 20 years old, very confident. She's a minus 225 favorite here against J.J. Aldrich, Ian, who comes back at plus 185. You going Barber or Aldrich? Uh, I'm going Barber all day in this fight. Um, I just don't think J.J. Aldrich is, you know, the fight against Pollyanna Vienna was lackluster. She was just the the busier fighter. I I just think Barber is going to be, when it comes to the women's division, and I'm sure Kennedy is going to, jump into this you when you the women that succeed are just so much more evolved in their athleticism that that's where the night and day situation really happens macy barber is super aggressive she is polished for someone as young as she is and i just think the speed and the athleticism is going to be so much for jg alders to handle i don't think she's able to handle it i think macy is better everywhere and you know to say she's the future i mean it's a little early to say that but 
her, her wins have been way more decisive and more dominant than what JJ has. And I, I just, I don't see JJ being able to do anything in this fight. I got Macy Barber by whatever, however, whenever. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people agree. And if you saw Macy Barber's UFC debut, there is reason to be excited. As for JJ Aldrich, primary training partner of the UFC strawweight champion Rose Namajunas, she's won three in a row. Still doesn't have a number next to her name at 115 pounds. So this will be her UFC flyweight debut. First flyweight fight for Aldrich since 2016. She's taken on Macy Barber Kenny, who's six and zero with four straight finishes. Obviously, Aldrich entrenched here as the underdog. What kind of chance do you give her against? the oncoming force that is Macy Barber. Well, I, I think Ian nailed it. Listen, I, I think the lower the level of the competition, um, the more things like physicality and aggression matter. And I think that for Macy Barber, she has both of those things over J.J. Aldrich. So Aldrich, to me, I don't see her having a lot of weapons where she can threaten someone like Macy Barber. Um, I, I think uh, Macy Barber's gonna have more skill she's gonna be more aggressive she can finish the fight as well going with barber all right the future of the men's flyweight division remains in flux there are still some relevant fights though among them main card tilt this weekend between a couple of brazilians davis and figueredo minus 175 and juicier formiga plus 155 ian what do you think about the fly guys here so this is a fight that I, I'm so confused where this matchup even comes from because Formiga just beat Sergio Pettis at a point where Pettis beat Joe, Joey Jiu-Jitsu here. So I was thinking that Formiga, you know, should be close to Cejudo if Cejudo wasn't rematching TJ Dillashaw kind of by default. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm taking the underdog here. I'm going with Formiga. I'm, I'm so confused. I get that uh, Figueredo has you know, just showing a little bit more dominance with the striking and stuff. I just don't think that many guys can compete with Formiga on the ground. And what we've seen is Formiga's striking has come a really long way since he jumped into the UFC. You know, before he was in the UFC, he was the guy at this weight class. And, you know, just the evolution of his striking has shown. And again, Sergio Pettis, he showed his IQ. You know, he really showed, like, listen, my striking has evolved, but I'm not going to be... I hate to call it the George Gurgel syndrome where I'm one of the best jiu-jitsu guys in my weight class in the world and I'm going to have a kickboxing match with a guy <laughs> who's probably as good as me in kickboxing, if not better. You know, so he was smart and he, he knew it was all about getting the win there. Unfortunately, because I guess he's just not as popular and he doesn't market himself on social media that he's getting a fight like this. Um, I'm going to go with the season vet. I'm going to go with Formiga. I just think he's smarter. I don't think he's going to get into a striking game. I think he's going to use it enough to get Figueroa to the ground and just kind of work his game. This is where you play the underdog here. I think he's also fought much higher level competition, which is going to play into his favor. So I'm going with Formiga. I think Ken Flo liked everything out of your mouth there, maybe even the, the George Gurgel stuff more than the rest of it. I'm just going to set up some numbers very quickly, and then we'll see on which side Ken Flo falls. So Formiga fought Henry Cejudo, the current flyweight champion. It was a split decision back in 2015. Since he's won four of five, three in a row, high-level wins, Uluka Sasaki, Ben Wynn, Sergio Pettis, as Ian mentioned. Figueredo's 15-0. and 0. He knocked out John Moraga in August in Lincoln, Nebraska. Vegas likes an undefeated fighter. I think this fight is very close on paper, but you're paying minus 175 if you want Figueredo. Ken Flo, what do you think? Juicier Formiga, Davison Figueredo. Uh, I will say this, you know, um, we have a good time picking fights, and I, it's easy. Any idiot can pick a fight, right, and be right. 
it's another thing to give good analysis, and Ian gave excellent analysis, right? These are two very different things. The fight game, uh, you never know what's really going to happen. Both guys are throwing leather. So I, I, I agree with you, Ian. I think that uh, Formiga is an interesting underdog bet because he is much smarter and way more comfortable in the octagon now. He has improved his striking. He knows how to mix in his uh, takedowns. He has some very good momentum in there. If there's one guy who could finish the fight on the feet, I think Figueredo probably has the better chance just because he has more power. There's no doubt about it. However, um, I think that on the ground, I think Formiga is better. I think Formiga is going to be much safer than some of the past opponents that Figueredo has faced. Um, and I think for Figueredo, the way that he blitzes in and, and the times that he gets wild, I think that's going to allow Formiga to clinch that much easier and possibly hit one of those takedowns and maybe surprise him with a submission on the ground. Uh, I like Formiga in this one as well. Ken Flo's predictions have actually been known to move the betting lines. And with Ian Parker and Ken Flo both falling on the Formiga side, it'll be very interesting if when I go to bed tonight, if GCA Formiga is still plus 155 or if the Anakin Florin podcast <laughs> has moved a betting number yet again. All right, we're going to have Ken Flo lead the co-main event here because of Ian Parker's request. So this is in the heavyweight division. Curtis Blades minus 300, Justin Willis plus 250. Blades, of course, back for the first time since a forgettable main event loss to Francis Ngannou that was overseas last November. Willis is cocky, but he has backed it up thus far. He's won eight in a row, 4-0 in the UFC. That after outpointing the lead horse, Mark Hunt, that was in Adelaide last December. Blades versus Willis. Ken Flo, who do you like? You know, this is a tricky one. I, I've uh, consulted with my guy, Daniel Cormier. He does uh, understand that this is a very tough fight. Blades uh, has that wrestling he can rely on uh, to try to take uh, Willis down. Willis is very low to the ground, though, very stocky. Uh, he really has done a great job of improving his wrestling over the years, training at AKA with all those excellent wrestlers. Um, I think Blades also is a, a not a bad striker as well when he's mixing things up and, and when he's not forcing the knockout. Um, I think for Willis, uh, it, I think it's his... It's to his advantage to actually uh, be in the center of the cage, not necessarily up against the cage where Blades can use those long arms to try to put him uh, on his back. Uh, but uh, I think that Willis, I think Willis is tough. Uh, Blades is one of those guys that I think has been inconsistent in this game. This is a tough one. I'm going to go with Willis here. I, I need those uh, underdog wins, and uh, I'm going to go with Willis. And again, reminding people of our scoring system, it very much incentivizes you to pick underdogs. What do you think about Curtis Blades here, Ian, this weekend? Well, I think that Kenny just picked based off his relationship with Daniel Cormier, and that's okay with me because <laughs> I am taking Curtis Blades in this fight. And here's where I agree with Kenny with Blades, Curtis's uh, inconsistency. When he gets to the big fights, he blows it. The fights he's supposed to win – you know, just when we think he's ready to break through, he has that setback. And, you know, it's hard to keep giving the guy that opportunity. You know, it's almost like a Charles Oliveira. We're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And when it's finally time to break through, they fall up short in a really bad way. You know, the Naganyu fight of any time for him to win would have been that time where Naganyu was second-guessing himself after a couple of losses. Right, you know? right. However, I think for Justin Willis, it's too much too soon. I don't like the size difference here either. I think Curtis Blades, you know, being with uh, 
with uh, Bang Muay Thai and kind of getting his striking, as Kenny mentioned, his striking has really come a long way. I don't think he's going to have an issue here. I think he can keep his range. You know, I, I, don't, I just don't see Willis being able to do anything to Curtis Blades. I think Blades is way more athletic, faster, you know, in that fight against Mark Hunt. Willis did what he needed to do, and we, I think we all agree something was up with Mark Hunt. He wasn't really there. That wasn't the fighter we all know and love. He couldn't do anything. Yeah. You know, and it really didn't show us a whole lot about Willis either. Oh, man, I, I just, I, as much as I want to take an underdog, I'm going to save mine for a little bit later on. I just don't see how I could pick this, even though I sponsored Daniel Cormier with Cage Hero for years. And I love Daniel. I just don't see it happening. I'm going Curtis Blades. Yeah, I think it's a bad time to be fighting Curtis Blades. I know that's probably an unquantifiable, <laughs> but uh, Curtis Blades coming off a loss. You know, it was all in front of him going into that Ngannou main event last November and licks his wounds oh, and yeah. returns here against Justin Willis in Nashville this weekend. All right, main event. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, a prohibitive minus 430 favorite against Anthony Showtime Pettis. Pettis plus 345 as he makes his UFC welterweight debut here, Ian. This is the main event. We'll need the round and the method of victory. Who takes the headliner in Nashville, Tennessee? So this fight is really, really bizarre. I, I, it's hard to kind of picture Pettis at 170, although we do know he is a big 145 or a big 155er. However, if there's any matchup to throw him into the deep waters, I think this one plays into his favor. You know, size-wise, Stephen Thompson is not a big welterweight. You know, another guy with striking, same thing. Here's the difference with Anthony Pettis this time. He does not have to be worried about getting taken down by Stephen Thompson. I think we're all going to agree here. And he can now actually threaten the takedowns. He could use his submission game. If I'm Anthony Pettis, I am definitely trying to get into that pocket and force it up against the cage, get that clinch going, and get Stephen Thompson to the ground. Because if you can get Thompson to the ground, we all saw what he did against Michael Kaseya. We've seen what he's done against other high-level wrestlers and other fighters. You know, I'm not in love with it being at 170, but if I have to take an underdog on this card, I'm kind of like Anthony Pettis. If he comes out and stays comfortable, I think this is a big opportunity for him. But he can have, you know, but if he does lose this fight, he could say, oh, it was my first fight at 170. I'm fighting a top right. five guy, blah, blah, blah. But he's got the striking to match with Stephen Thompson. You know, he's got the range, he, you know, and he's got the ability. Is his wrestling all there to get him down? No, but it's not Stephen Thompson, the wrestler. You know, we're going against a guy with a karate-based style. So, right. I, like I said, if Pettis can get this against the cage, clinch up, get this to the ground, the fight is his. And I'm going to take Anthony Pettis. I'm going to go second round submission. Round two submission for Anthony Pettis. And I know, Ian, we talked a little bit about the fight offline, but I'm not going to sit here and say he's a live underdog necessarily, but certainly a lot of value. He's plus 290. Now it's up to plus 345. Still Anthony Showtime Pettis we're talking about. All right, Ian Parker, great job well, as usual. Go ahead. You got a final note before we let you know? Yeah, well, I was going to say, if Ken Flo is going to take Willis, I have to take a big underdog. And if there's anyone to take a shot at, yeah. I, I have no problem throwing, it, especially with the with the odds going that high. And Ian, I want you to hear this since you're on the final. I don't want to talk behind your back, but I want to say you make all these good picks. You make all this good analysis, <laughs> and then you totally erase it with the main event pick. What's going on? I'm trying to justify taking a huge underdog because right. I feel the same way how you just picked for Justin Willis. No, right. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> listen, do I, think that Anthony do I think Anthony Pettis wins this fight? My answer is no. I think Steven Thompson should absolutely win this fight. But in the whole scoring system you guys play, and yep. I know that you're going Steven Thompson, especially after taking Justin Willis, yep. I don't mind giving you a fair shot at uh, <laughs> tying me up or beating me. So I'm All saying right. that if Anthony Pettis is going to get the win, 
It's going to be while they're still dry if he can get this fight to the ground. Hey, listen, Temple, a lot of guys laughed at me when I said Masvidal was going to win too. And I, right. told, uh, I told J.A. over there, I said, listen, I just got this feeling. I said, I think Till's overrated. And, John, what would you say to me? I know, but the size. I said, George doesn't look too small right now. Yeah. He's been out for a while. Yeah. He's, been eating, he's been eating a little bit, you know? So, I, I, you know, Kenny, trust me, I agree with you, but in the, in the, in the love of the game, I'll let you have this one, although I still think I might win it. You're the man. You're the man. I, I, I agree with you on that uh, on that Masvidal Till pick as well. That 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 was a good one for sure. Ian Parker's I a sharp cat. I mean, no one, Ian, no one will ever confuse you for a, for an MMA square. That's for sure. Great job as usual. And uh, trying to figure out a regular spot for you on this program. I don't know if you he want to bump Longo some week, but we appreciate your contributions as always, my friend. Oh, if you tell if you tell Longo you're bumping him for me, he will not be happy with me. He actually blamed <laughs> me for the show's original cancellation. <laughs> I do. I, yeah, I'm not surprised. I actually, he's probably going to call me later today. He's like, "What are you trotting that Ian Parker back on there for? <laughs> you giving Ian Parker my spot? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, have a good week, buddy. Thanks for the time. We'll be in touch. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Ian Parker making the picks for Team Annex. So, Ken Flo, this is going to be Anthony Pettis' first fight at 170 pounds since he knocked out Gabe Walbridge December of 2008, right before signing with the WEC, where, of course, he went on to become lightweight champion. Then he became the UFC lightweight champion, dropped to featherweight, of course, at one point to try to reinvent himself. Likely will return to lightweight after this fight, but this was a fight that he called for publicly. It seemed like for Anthony Pettis and Steven Wonderboy Thompson, neither one could find the right matchup in their respective divisions. Wonderboy, only one win spanning his last four. That was the pre-reference win against Jorge Masvidal in New York. Lost to Darren Till, of course, his last time out, which was 10 months ago. Till missed weight for that fight. Many thought Thompson should have gotten the nod from the judges. What do you think about this Nashville main event, and what do you think Pettis might have for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson at 170 pounds? You know, this was one of those fights that had me scratching my head. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. You know, I, I remember when I had called for uh, a fight with Anthony Pettis when I was fighting. I wanted to, uh, to challenge myself and fight a great fighter like Pettis. And he said, you know, no, I, I'm not going to fight you. I want to fight Clay Guida instead. And I remember thinking, thinking to myself, that's a terrible matchup for you. That That's yeah. a worse matchup for you. I don't get it. And I don't get this one either against Warner Boy. Um, I, I think, you know, he's facing a guy who's bigger than him. He's facing a guy who is a much trickier striker than him. Uh, you know, I, listen... Is he is Pettis more dangerous than Wonderboy on the ground? One hundred percent. But if guy if wrestlers like Johnny Hendricks and Tyron Woodley uh, can't take Wonderboy down, right. I don't see Pettis doing it. Uh, and I think for Anthony Pettis, I've seen too much stagnation in his striking game. Uh, in my opinion, still a very uh, good fighter, a very dangerous fighter. Uh, but I don't think he's at the level striking-wise uh, as a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, unless Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is taking Pettis lightly, I just don't see Wonderboy losing. I see Wonderboy winning this fight by TKO in round three. All right, Thompson, round three, TKO. And largely, I agree. We were talking about Showtime Pettis a couple of fights ago where he he felt like he was so hyper-focused on wrestling that he got away from it, right? And even wasn't traveling to see Izzy Martinez there for a little while, was trying to get back to his roots and what made him great. So the notion that he spent the last six weeks trying to figure out a way to take Stephen Wonderboy Thompson down repeatedly, I think maybe in transition, Kenny, in a clinch situation, yeah. but I just... 
I'm not sure that, to your point, if guys like Hendricks and others had a real hard time taking Thompson down. You know, Thompson uses that fence well. He's long. He's stronger than you would think. So I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. But I'm excited to see it. You know, I love the fighter in Showtime Pettis. I love his willingness to take on a challenge like this. And uh, we will see how it goes for him here in a few days. That's a great point. Uh Anthony Pettis is a fighter, man. He, he definitely does not back down from a challenge. He's a guy who wants to fight the best out there at 145, 155, and now 170. Kid's a stud. All right, before we let you go, Ken Flo, and man, did you fucking bring the A-game after a week off. I mean, you see how good Ken Flo is off the bye, folks? Absolutely incredible. <laughs> I just want to get your thoughts on, on Michael Bisping and the announcement over the weekend that he would be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame coming up July 5th, two days before UFC 239. I will just say, I was Octagon's side. I wasn't calling the fight, but I was in London when he beat Anderson Silva. And that is as inspired as I have ever been by a professional athlete in terms of their toughness and their want and their desire uh, to come back from adversity and win a fight. He just wasn't going to be denied. He wasn't going to be finished that night. I have so much respect for the body of work, and I'm just so happy that he's not going into the pioneer wing, right? And I don't even know if he's eligible because depending on when you make your pro debut, maybe he wouldn't be eligible as a pioneer. But when a lot of us thought about Michael Bisping as a Hall of Famer, we thought, oh, maybe he'll get in as a contributor, right, for what he's done for MMA in the U.K., he is a first ballot modern era UFC Hall of Famer. And that's something that prior to UFC 199, when he beat Luke Ruckold, maybe people weren't saying. So I'm just very happy that not only is Bisping going in, but he's going on going in on the merits of his body of work as a former UFC middleweight champ. As far as the decision to make that happen, it was a dunk shot. I mean, Michael Bisping, you look at everything he's accomplished uh, in the sport. Uh, it is very deserving. I couldn't have been happier to hear that news. Uh, this is a guy who has always fought his ass off every single fight. One of the best competitors uh, that I've seen inside the octagon. Um, the things that he's accomplished, the way that he has fought um, – you know, th that performance against Anderson Silva was just phenomenal. Uh, one of the grittiest performances that I've ever seen. And, uh, Anik, I know you really mean that because we were texting back and forth during that fight. Just absolutely wowed by what wow. Michael Bisping was able to do in that fight against the legend Anderson Silva. And, uh, yeah, again, this is a guy who we know very well, an awesome dude. Uh, and, again, he's going out in the right way. Awesome decision by the UFC and uh, Michael Bisping. Congratulations, you're a legend. No one, no one makes Kenful laugh quite like Michael Bisping. It's He's a funny fucker dude. too. I can't wait. You <laughs> yes. know, oftentimes when I'm standing backstage during this Hall of Fame induction ceremony and some of the speeches go a little bit long, I'm thinking, man, you know, we got to call a pay per view in two days. Let's go. Uh, you can be sure everyone's going to be watching Bisping's induction speech uh, with bated breath. So congratulations to the count, soon to be UFC Hall of Famer Michael. Bisping. All right, that is it for this week. We're right back with you next Monday, March 25. We'll get you ready for the UFC's return to ESPN TV. Edson Barboza, Justin Gaethje coming up in a main event March 30th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. With that, Ken Flo and Longo and Ian Parker, TJ DeSantis, John Anastan. So long for now. Thank you all for listening. Great to be back in your lives. Have a great week. Yo, later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Thank you. 
sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Barton, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.